Hi guys, I'm back. Finally, after when was the last one I did? Man, November, I think. The last Bible with Megan podcast was when I interviewed Rachel. That's right. Um, it's been a while. Thank you for holding on and waiting for me uh, to come back. And today we are picking up in Revelation 10, which I'm just so excited to be doing. I'm so excited to be back here with you. And hi to all the new listeners as well that have joined in the meantime. It's great to have you here. My name is Megan and here I talk about the Bible. I spend some time reading through commentaries and studying passages and then chat through here about what I've learned. So you can learn that info on the go, doing your cleaning, while you work. And I really hope this just feels like grabbing a coffee with me and doing a deep dive into scripture together. Let's get on with today's episode. So before we dive in, which we will do in a second, I'll just give you a little bit of an update um, with what's been going on with me. It's been a weird... how many months? How many months it's been? It's been weird. Um, A lot of things changing and uh, I'm sure some of you guys have experienced similar things as well in just in the world and um you know things that are going on in in Ukraine and and everything and and COVID things changing and restrictions changing and there's been a lot of change um since November but I've been up to some really exciting things I've been writing this home group study that I've been mentioning on my Instagram if you follow me there called Approaching Revelation and so if you've listened to these podcasts you'll kind of know most of the content um it goes through the kind of foundations so looking at the context and the audience and all this sort of thing and then some of the key themes in revelation it's a six-week study and it's designed to do in a home group you can do it on your own as well but um i've tested it out with a couple of home groups which has been amazing and i'm really thankful for them um for letting me do it that should be out hopefully in May. It will be available for free on my website. It's like an ebook PDF you can download. Um, if you want to run it with your home groups, it's very accessible. It's meant to just be for anyone who wants to start studying Revelation but doesn't know where to begin. So I'm really, really excited about that. I've just got to edit the last session. And then, yeah, I'm hoping to get it up in May. So keep your eyes out on my Instagram for updates on that one. Oh, I am launching an Etsy shop as well soon. I've been designing prints. I got an iPad for Christmas and I've got Procreate on there. And I've been designing um, artwork based on the Bible, like kind of written, like typography, hand lettering type stuff. And if you see my new logo, that's kind of the style it's going to be in. I'm going to start selling those and I kind of hope that that will support this really support my making resources because I want these resources to be free so I'm hoping that the prints will kind of support that so this is the plan for the podcast because part of the reason I haven't done it in so long is just life gets so busy um and I don't have as much time as I did in lockdown funnily enough when I started doing these so what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be doing series of six episodes um, I'm committing to the six weeks and I'll, I'll take how many weeks off and then I'll let you know when I'm back for the next six weeks so these six weeks Revelation 10 today we'll be going up to Revelation 15 which is at the end of May I think and then I'm 
I need to figure out kind of when we're going on holiday. But after I come back from holiday, we'll do another six weeks and then we will finish Revelation. Finally get there. Um, and we'll do another book. See what you guys fancy. Shall we get on with it? Shall we dive back into Revelation? We're in chapter 10. So much has already happened. Let's read chapter 10 together. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and called out with a loud voice, like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded, and when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives for ever and ever, who created heaven and what's in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there will be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and I told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter, and I was told, you must again prophesy about how many, sorry, about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. So that's the passage, and as I read that passage, I had three main questions. I thought, okay, we've we got to summarise this. There's so many rabbit holes we could go down here. But three main things jumped out at me, and these three things were, who is this angel? What is the scroll? And what are the seven thunders? I don't know if you notice them, they're kind of slipped in there, the seven thunders. Who is the, who is the angel? That's where I want to start. Because when you read this, it sounds really similar to the descriptions we get of Jesus, doesn't it? You probably, as you heard that, you probably were reminded of chapter one and that vision of Jesus that John has um, in the opening of the book. And, and there's loads of references here as well to other descriptions of God in the Old Testament. So him being wrapped in a cloud is kind of reminds you of Daniel 7, which we've we've gone over before. You know about that passage now. Um, the the rainbow thing, the rainbow over his head that reminds you of the throne room earlier in Revelation 4 and also Ezekiel 1. Um, his face is like the sun. Again, this reminds you of, of chapter 1, the description of Jesus and of Daniel 7. Um, his legs are like pillars of fire, which will remind you of chapter 1 because his feet are like bronze refined in a furnace, remember? And also it might remind you of the pillar of fire in the wilderness um in exodus when the israelites are in the wilderness and god's presence is there as a pillar of fire 
his one foot on the sea and one on the land which kind of shows like authority and dominion kind of walking on the water which again we see in Jesus's life don't we um which represents his authority over over chaos over these this these everything chaotic in creation um he's greater than that um then it says the angel has a voice like a lion roaring again that that's clearly associated with god and with jesus in his title of the lion of judah this is quite strange because there's a lot of imagery here that is linking this angel with the authority of god the authority of jesus um but what is really important to remember and i'm going to say this a few times because in my notes this is all capitals and underlined this is so important jesus is not an angel jesus is not an angel there is no way jesus is an angel jesus is god and angels are lesser than god um they serve god jesus is god so jesus isn't an angel i just want to make this super 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 clear <laughs> as i go on to talk about it he's not an angel okay i'm glad we've cleared that up and this is really really important if you read um the beginning of hebrews for example it's all about don't worship angels they are lesser than god um they are sent out it says in hebrews 1 verse 14 are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation so they're serving humans in this point people that are part of um kingdom of god so jesus is not an angel we should not worship angels great we've cleared that one up but what on earth is going on here then um what are these why is this imagery here and i was thinking about this question a lot i I can't just you know you can't just ignore these things but there must be a reason for this when i was looking at what scholars had to say there were kind of three main uh interpretations that i came across let's talk about the easy two first so first the easy one of the easy ones um i found this in mounts's commentary um and he was saying that again jesus is not an angel um and he also says this can't be jesus because um he swears an oath and jesus says not to do that he says that will be inappropriate for christ he says that a lot of people have interpreted this as being the angel gabriel um seeing parallels to daniel 12 um because the angel gabriel is one that seems to have a lot of authority kind of authority that god's given him um to carry messages that are this important so that's one interpretation um another is that this it, it again they underline revelation keeps the the lines between jesus and the angels very very clear this is the thomas and machia commentary and they say this is a mighty angel and but it's a mighty angel that's associated with the divine presence and glory of god so they don't they don't say it's necessarily gabriel they didn't recognize a specific angel but they're saying this angel is very much um is representing the divine presence and glory of god um and like that's kind of his job i guess that's why he's got all this language around him it's like he's been sent from the throne room he's been like given second hand that authority that god has to deliver this message 
the third interpretation. And this is the one that is a little bit more um, complex. And uh, if you want the long term for this that you can check out and sound really clever, um, the long term for this is angelomorphic Christology. Angelomorphic Christology. Basically what this position is, is that sometimes in the Bible, um, it, it, Jesus is presented as an angel figure. Before you freak out, let's let's just talk about this a little bit more because it does make a lot more sense than it sounds. And again, it's not saying Jesus is an angel, it's just saying that sometimes he's presented in that way. So there's a lot, a lot of background to this. And it's one of those things that I'm not going to be able to explain in a short bite. So what I'm going to do is link you to um, Michael Heiser's episode on this. You can go and listen to it. He has a load of stuff about something called Two Powers Theology, which is basically... Um, <laughs> again, like I, I don't know how to summarise this. Um, is basically so Michael Heiser's big thing is reading the Old Testament in context of the ancient worldview, which is also a supernatural worldview, and um, and the two powers thing that he talks about in his book, The Unseen Realm, and on his podcast and things, um, he talks about that, and it's sort of like how God is presented um as like different figures. It's, he kind of links it in with where the Trinity ideas have come from, but in ancient Israel, so before Jesus was kind of specified. Um, I think, yeah, I'll, I'll link some stuff in the description if you want to deep dive into that. It's, it's very interesting um, and really, 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 really good, I think, but it is quite complicated and it takes a bit of thinking. So I'll, I'll let you listen to him on that because I don't want to try and summarise it and explain it all wrong. But the easiest way to kind of summarise this perhaps is is if you think about the Old Testament, sometimes there's an appearance of the angel of the Lord. And um, it's not uncommon for people to say, oh, that's Jesus. Um, that's Jesus appearing in the Old Testament, but they're calling it the angel of the Lord because they don't know who Jesus is yet. Um, you've probably heard that interpretation before. And it's kind of the same thing that the Michael Heiser is getting at with this interpretation. So he's saying, is this like the angel of the lord so it's it's um jesus is not an angel but he's just being presented in that kind of way like using the imagery in this passage so those are the three <laughs> interpretations and i'll leave you to think about what you think works there and have a little listen to michael heiser and come to your own conclusions again this this podcast as i said before um i'm not trying to promote a certain interpretation here what I really want to do is just help you to really get a good grasp on the text so whatever interpretation you come to you can back it up with a biblical narrative whatever interpretation we have when we're reading the bible we just have to be able to show why we believe that in the text using the text in context and in the context of the whole biblical narrative so all of those interpretations work um I don't know which you're most convinced by. I think Michael Heiser's one I am most convinced by. But it's very complicated. So go and listen to him talk about it rather than me. Anyway, let's let's move on from that one. Let's move on from that one. That is a, a massive rabbit hole we could go down. But I think that's enough for this podcast. So the next question, 
What about the scroll? So, the scroll. If you have read Ezekiel, um, you're probably reminded of Ezekiel when you read this passage. And that's deliberate. So, let's go back and read that section in Ezekiel. This is Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 8. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give to you. That was um, somebody speaking. It was the Lord. I was just going back to make sure it was the Lord. <laughs> Reading the paragraph before, it's always a good thing to do. Uh, verse 9. And when I looked, this is, this is Ezekiel again now. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretching out to me was stretched out to me and behold a scroll of a book was in it and he spread it before me and it had writing on the front and on the back and there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe and he said to me son of man eat whatever you find here eat this scroll and go speak to the house of israel so I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you, and fill your stomach with it. And I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. So you can clearly see the parallel here, can't you? The angel who has God's authority is giving um, John this scroll to eat, in the same way he's given Ezekiel the scroll to eat or, or God's given the scroll to eat or some some figure that's stretching out his hand Ezekiel has given him the scroll to eat and in Ezekiel on that scroll is um, a prophecy from God and it's a prophecy of, of judgment essentially um, and so he eats it and it tastes sweet in his mouth but but obviously it's this, this judgment there's this bitter element to it there's a there's a grief to it um, for the people in, in Israel who will not repent. Um, and so I think that's what's going on here with the bitterness side of it in the scroll. Is It's it's bitter because it's like the message um, is a hard one, I guess. It's a hard one. But it's also good because it's God's word. It's God speaking a message through a prophet eating is obviously representing like an internalizing and accepting um an agreement of this this word that god's given and then the ability to then speak it out and to say it faithfully so uh, there's that parallel here so it's john being a prophet again but there's also a question of is this the same scroll from chapter five the one with the the seals that the lamb only the lamb can open well maybe the scholars disagree on this some will say it's not because it's differentiated by calling it a little scroll um so it's not the same as the main scroll um but if this was the scroll is it then revealing to us the contents of the scroll because if it's if it's bitter and we think about this thing with ezekiel maybe this is giving us a clue to what is inside the scroll. So let me just read you a little bit from Tom Wright on this. So Tom Wright thinks this is the scroll um, in that we've heard about earlier. And he says, the lamb has removed the seals, now the scroll can be read. And John is the one that is able to do that. This, it seems, is the reason why he was invited into the heavenly throne room. 
And then he goes on to say about how eating the scroll is a metaphor, um, like we just said, that, that, that a prophet um, can only speak God's word insofar as it has become part of the prophet's own life. It may be nourishing, it may be bitter, it may be both. This is part of what it means to say that God desires to act in the world through obedient human beings. Prophecy, speaking words which brings God's fresh order to the world, is one special aspect of a larger human vocation. And here, John shoulders that responsibility. So he's he's suggesting that this is the scroll um, from the throne room. And that the reason John is being given it to eat and then speak out is because of the way that God partners with humans um, through prophecy and, and just generally in that he wants us to be obedient to him and then to act out his um, his word. So there's a few more questions there about what is that scroll and how does that work um, and a couple different interpretations but it's to do with with judgment but God's judgment being a sweet and good thing um and we'll see that play out more as we continue on in the book so there's one more element i want to look at in this episode and that is the seven thunders so they kind of get they kind of sneak in there verse three the angel sounds like a lion when he called out the seven thunders sounded and when the seven thunders had sounded i was about to write says john but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders had said and do not write it down. And that's kind of like, I hadn't, I remember the first time I read that because I, I think I just skimmed over it because it's so small. It's just like a couple verses. Um, I was like, what? What's that about? What's that about? Because we've had, we have the, um, the, the seven seals and the trumpets and the bowls. And then there's these seven thunders, but we don't get to learn about them. They're stopped. It says, don't write those things down. Really fascinating. And I think if I get to meet John um, in the kingdom of God, I'd like to ask him about that. But then he might not be able to tell me even then. Sworn to secrecy on this one. But, but there is a question here of like, what does this mean? Because remember when we talked about how time works in Revelation um, before we went into these series of, of judgment series of seven and I suggested maybe it's like a re- repeated thing they're kind of slightly, slightly circular and one kind of leads into the other if you take that reading this could be what's going on it could be that it's about to lead into this next set of judgments but God says wait no and it makes a little bit more sense of why then there's the oath the oath is swearing that these seven thunders and i'm gonna go ahead this this like what seems to be another series of judgments is being stopped let, let me read a bit of a commentary about this for you okay this is the thomas and machia commentary um page 194 i'll link it in the description if you want to buy it it's quite a chunky one but it's good so they're saying if the seven thunders represent yet another series of god's judgments in line with the seven seals and seven trumpets it's probable that this series would bring with it an increase of intensity of the judgments to be experienced thus 
you know it's an academic book when it says thus, don't you? <laughs> thus, whereas the opening of the seven seals saw the death of a fourth of humankind, and the blasting of the seven trumpets saw the death of a third, would the words spoken by the seven thunders not involve the death of half of humankind? If so, the, the command to omit these words would serve to hasten the pace of the move towards the end, shortening any delay. It moves the hearers towards an acknowledgement that the second woe has passed and increases expectation for the blasting of the seventh and final trumpet. Okay, so what they're basically saying there is, as 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 we've seen, the kind of the amount of people that <laughs> that die is increasing, and so this being stopped does two things: it it it, it stops that from happening again, and it and it, secondly it ushers forward, it ushers us forward to re- the return of Jesus. Think what you will about that, but it's interesting, isn't it? And I think it's a detail we we miss, but I I do think it helps us. Um, consider how the sets of seven work a little bit personally I, d- I don't quite understand how that would fit into a timeline I think it goes more into a secular thing but maybe it does maybe I'd like to know what you think um, when I put this up on Instagram to say it's on let me know in the comments what what you think is going on here in anything in this in this whole episode it's always really good to hear from you but whatever's going on with the seven thunders there's no more stalling it seems like from here we are moving swiftly towards a final judgment. But that is a hopeful thing. We have to remember this. Like this scroll, there's there's a bitterness to it because there will be people who will not repent. But it's also a hopeful thing because in this judgment evil's gonna be gonna be um sorted out. <laughs> evil's gonna be sorted out. You can you tell I'm really tired today. <laughs> I'm so excited to be doing this again but like I do feel like I'm rambling a bit evil is going to be sorted out in that final judgment once and for all and the new creation is going to come so it's a hopeful thing even though there's this this bitterness this sadness about it that when John is going to prophesy about peoples and nations and languages and kings as he's told to here there are going to be those who who don't want to turn to Jesus um and unfortunately that is the case and that's I think is one of the saddest things about being a Christian sometimes isn't it um knowing that there's people who are just going to reject the message of Christ but what we can do is keep sharing it and um you know the more people we can tell and people we can share with and, and listen to the Holy Spirit leading on that the more chance there is of more people responding and repenting and, and being in this new creation with us. So um, it is a hopeful thing. It is a hopeful thing. Eve will be defeated forever, completely sorted out, <laughs> and we'll be, with, we'll be with God in the new heavens and the new earth. And uh, something to look forward to and to pray for. Um, yeah, that's it for today. Next week we'll move on to chapter 11. I'm going to do a bit of a deep dive in there. And um, thank you for joining me. Um, I think I'll just end in prayer. I think I'll just end in prayer. So thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you that we don't... Um, thank you that it's not 
I don't even know what to say. Thank you, Jesus. That you don't spell out everything for us. And I know that's a prayer some people won't want to say, but I'm thankful for that because it leaves us in a place of trusting you sometimes. And uh, we see enough from this to know that you're so good and you are totally the king and you're totally in control over this and um, when you return it's going to be so glorious well, Lord I, I pray that we will internalise your message in the same way John eats this scroll that we would internalise your gospel that it would be within us it wouldn't just be something we speak out but but we would live it, that it would be inside of us, and so it would just overflow, um, and that we can show your gospel, and, and speak your gospel, both together, um, to the people around us, Lord, and we just pray that the people around us, that you would, you would open their eyes, that if the enemy is doing things there, Lord, that you would tear those things down, that they would repent, and they would turn to you, um, and we just pray for boldness in that, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time. Thank you so, so much for joining me for today's podcast. If you have five minutes to leave a review of this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on, that would be really, really helpful. And it would help more people like us who might enjoy studying the Bible to find the podcast and to join us in our journey. If you'd like to support me in making this podcast financially, you can use the buy me a coffee link that is in the show notes to just donate a little bit towards making these resources. You can also follow me over on Instagram at Bible with Megan or one word where I update everything that's going on and have content on there as well. So I really look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Bible with Megan podcast. <laughs>